Hello, and welcome to the Running Hook Podcast, hosted by Alex Burr, a member of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of the Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. Dylan Hughes, your Purdue Boilermakers are going for the Big Ten Championship. Now, there are three super teams ahead of them, but how do you like your team's chances in the Big Ten slash NCAA tournaments? You know, after watching them whoop on IU for the ninth straight time, I didn't have any insane takeaways because, you know, it's just expected at this point. But, I mean, for being such a young team, I think they look way better than they should. And I think most people came into this season, like, I don't really pay attention to recruiting much because Purdue is rarely grabbing these five-star guys. Um, So I don't really pay too much attention to recruiting, so I never have expectations coming in. But I don't think people were expecting them to be as good as they've been this year, especially in the best conference in college basketball. Um, so, you know, I think, I think they're going to surprise some people because again, they're so young. Um, but the big 10 is tough, but you know, what I'll say is Michigan is kind of falling off a bit. What I've seen from Ohio state is like good, not great. I think Illinois actually might be the best team in the conference. Like, Kofi Cokeburn and Io DeSuma, those two dudes are awesome. Like, I think those guys are going to be good NBA players. And they're really fun to watch. Uh, and they have some other good players on that roster, too. So, like, I, I actually think Illinois has the best shot in the Big Ten of, of really making a run. Uh, but I think I think Purdue's definitely going to surprise some people, for sure. You love to see it. You love the Boilermakers. Um situation there i'm rooting for you because i don't have a college basketball team so i'll I'll root for you by proxy since we talk every week and you know i'm just i just want your boilermakers to win done so hey man it 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 means a lot to me to have your support it really does (laughs) of course of course and i don't think we have any injury news mark smart i think they said is coming back this week and i think romeo langford is Mm -hmm. as well so yeah. for the Celtics, I think they said Romeo Langford would have made his season debut tonight if he had to go into COVID protocol since he hadn't been around the team all season because since he had the surgery before the year. But Romeo Langford will be making his uh will be making his Celtics debut or not Celtics debut, his season debut probably on Thursday or Friday. So look out for that. You know, we'll see if the Celtics getting some semblance of depth back will help them. But folks. And also, I, um, I'm i not set, touching the Myers-Leonard situation with a 10-foot pole except to say, fuck racism. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. Um, I, Dylan, I, I think that's not a controversial statement to say, fuck racism. No, I think, I think most people would fall in line with that one. Most people accept racist, and fuck them too. So exactly. today we are going to be doing our all-NBA teams, and unless you want to give an hour recap of the three-point contest, Dylan, which I'm sure you don't, but um, all NBA. So for you, how hard was it to come up with the 15 best guys in the league this year? Man, it was like when I sat down and started doing it, I'm like, wow, there's going to be some really good players left out here. I mean, 
it's just amazing how much better the NBA gets every year with talent because we're at a point, and, like, I have some really young guys on this list. Like, we're at a point where there's guys that just come straight into the draft and are awesome. I mean, look at the drafts the past few years. Like, I'm not going to say any names because I don't want to spoil anything, but, like, it's at a point where, like, you could make the All-NBA team as a rookie or a second-year guy. Like, that's that's how good these guys are. And there's a lot of names that have been around for a long time that are really good players that get pushed down just because we just have these super athletes that are getting drafted every single year. I don't think it's out of their own possibility that LaMelo Ball will make an All-NBA team next year. I think that it's actually a pretty good chance <laughs> given who uh, I'll just say, given who I have on my team at the guard spots, there's a decent chance that he could be on the third team next year. And that's fucking insane. <laughs> do you know the last, do you, do you know the last rookie to make all NBA first team Dylan Hughes? I'll, I'll just quiz you right now. Uh, was it LeBron? It was not. It was Tim Duncan. Oh, wow. Okay. Tim Duncan was the last rookie to make all NBA first team. And that's because Tim Duncan came out of the gate as one of the they won. I'm pretty sure the Spurs won 50 games in addition to him putting up like 20 and 10 right out of the gate. So Tim Duncan is my sixth best player of all time. I have him over Larry Bird. That's my hottest take. I think he was a better mm. player than Larry Bird. And we're not going to debate that because that's not what we're here to debate. But for me, coming up with the All-NBA teams. So first of all, so I will say, coming up with All-NBA was harder for me than going coming up with All-Star teams, which I did with J.D., Hall, and Zach Griffith. And the reason it was harder for me was because I think that there's a lot of really good players. All-NBA, you're talking the best of the best. And this is where the cutting board, it gets really semantic, right? There are some guys... Like, particularly the two center spots. We both know Jokic and Embiid are making both of our teams. But there's a good chance we could have them in opposite orders. There's Because they, they can't be at forward. They never play forward. <laughs> Jokic's backup is Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> Joel Embiid can't play with Dwight Howard. But, like, there are a lot of multi-positional guys at this point, too. Like, for instance, a guy I also know, can safely say we probably have on our teams where we have him is also probably going to be a point for debate, but LeBron James, you could put him at guard any given year. You could put him at forward, not at center, but I mean, the positional versatility positions aren't a thing anymore, really. Centers are a thing, point guards are a thing, and then anything in between that is very fluid. So I had a really hard time because, like front court, right? I have five great front court players in the league right now that are healthy, and have played at all this year. And then after that, it's like really good, but this is the 15 best players in the league. These are your top 15 guys in the league, basically is what you're saying at in this, in the season for the season. So that was the hard part for me was like debating who should be on the team. It, it just was a really tough exercise. And I'm curious to see how we went with our teams. So why don't we go ahead and get into it? And Dylan, I think, I'm actually curious to see where you went with the guards. We'll start with the first team guards. Who did you have for your first team guards? So again, I think the guard spot was the toughest to, to figure out. Cause man, like, again, I'm going to do some honorable mentions at the end. There's like, 
six guys that could have, you know, made a case for making one of these teams. So it was really tough shuffling these guys around. And I feel like as soon as the pod ends, I might start regretting my placement just because it's that close. Um, but my first two guards were Steph Curry and Dane Lillard. M- mine too. Mine too. So that's easy. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, again, like I debated this a little bit. Um, I tried to include winning as much as I can. The thing is, I, it's just situation matters so much, right? So, like, if you look at Golden State, they are out of the playoffs. They're only half a game back at Dallas. And the way the West is, that basically outside of the top two or three seats every single year, there's like six to seven spots that are just so fluid because everyone's so tightly compact. So I think being the ninth seed in the West is really not that big a deal. Or even the 10th seed, like Memphis is just a half a game back at Golden State. So in a, in a matter of a week or two, the seeds could completely churn over, you know. So uh, when looking at that, it's like, okay, let's look at Steph. He's putting up the same numbers he put up in his MVP season. And sure, like he is basically the sole guy now. Like he doesn't have KD and Clay there to take some of the attention off him uh, and take shots away from him. But listen, this dude is one of the most efficient basketball players ever. And this year, that's been no different. He's still just an absolute maniac in efficiency. And if you've listened to this pod long enough, you'll know that I hate inefficiency. So if you are on the opposite side of that, where you're extremely efficient, I'm going to be naturally drawn to those guys. And I wouldn't say I'm the only person that likes Steph Curry's efficiency. Um, I would in fact uh, argue that I'm a very small part of that, but that, I mean, that's just his efficiency just really sticks out to me compared to these other guards. Um, and Dame Lillard, I mean, we just talked about him last week. Like the dude overachieves every single year, and every single year they have injuries just like they do right now. And yet and still, you know, Portland's the fifth seed, and they've been playing really well despite having Nurkic and CJ out. So I just – I mean, Dame Lillard has just stayed the same and – He's just always awesome. So it's it's really hard for me to look at any of these other guards um, and say they're better than those two guys. I When we get to our second team, I'll have a take that I might need to convince you on. <laughs> but I can't say I disagree. Like, if you put Memphis and Golden State in the East, they are both firmly in the top six. Yeah, The West is so much better than the East this year. It's not even funny. Like, I would take New Orleans and Sac- Sacramento has one of the worst. I think it may have the worst defense of all time. <laughs> and I would say Sacramento would be a top t- top eight team in the East right now. Like, they, the, the talent in the West just vastly, vastly is so much better than the talent in the East. It's not even funny. The thing about the East is that the talent's all spread out, right? So you'll have your Gordon Haywards and Lamella Balls in Charlotte. You'll have your Julius Randles and R.J. Barrett's in New York. You'll have your DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon's in Indiana. And obviously, yes, Levert and T.J. Warren are hurt. But generally speaking, 
there's no like concentrated group of talent outside of the top three teams in the East. So it leads to a lot of average to below average teams vying for spots that they usually wouldn't vie for. Like the Pacers in the East last year would probably be like the seventh or eighth seed right now because the, the East last year was so much better. And this year they're I mean, there's ninth, but I mean, they're going to jump back into the top six. They're the Pacers like, or, you know, they might fall off actually, but who's to say we're, we're just going off of what we've seen in past years. And I it's, I'm going to safely assume that they'll be fine, but the West is just so hard. And the fact that Damian Lillard <laughs> has this team in the fifth seed, they won the game like as pretty much as soon as we finished recording, they beat the Kings. So they are firmly in the fifth seed. <laughs> I just don't see how, like, if Harden didn't demand the trade, he would be on my first team, I will say. But he demanded the trade, and he's been the best guard in the league since he's played in Brooklyn. That's my take, all right? But I can't reward him <laughs> for demanding his way out of Houston. So he's going to languish on my second team. I'll say my other guard later. I mean, you can guess who it is. It's pretty obvious, but... I would probably take Steph off, <laughs> as crazy as it is to say in favor of Harden because Harden's been that good since he's been like Harden has saved Brooklyn season because of how much Katie's been out. We see what happens when Kyrie is the number one dog on the team. It never works. And Harden to me has been by far, I would say the best guard in the league this year. I don't really think it's been close since he's got to Brooklyn, but I can't like again. I can't reward that. And Dame has led this. We talked about this last week. The Trailblazers have no business being in the fifth seed. So he's my MVP. Um, Steph is obviously phenomenal. And Harden, you get to suffer. You didn't start the All Star game. You're not going to be on All NBA first team. Sorry, bud. Yeah, and we can talk more about Harden coming up. But yeah, I I agree. That's why I didn't give him the nod because. And he he's been tremendous, like seriously tremendous. But we can't we can't forget about the first, you know, two months of the season or whatever it was. I mean, the dude was eating uh, Big Macs for breakfast and going to practice like that's that's not first team behavior right there. And listen, anytime that someone can sabotage Tillman for teed, I'm for it. But from the objective standpoint of an NBA all and all NBA team discussion here. Uh, we're gonna just we're gonna have to bump him down for for those first couple months. <laughs> I couldn't say it any better myself. And we talked about Dame a lot last week, but Steph, like, how is he matching the efficiency? How is he being efficient at all? There's no like offensive talent on this team. Draymond doesn't shoot <laughs> ever. <laughs> Draymond just is like, nah. I'm just gonna squ- only shoot in the last two minutes. We're gonna let our other guys cook. Andrew Wiggins is fine, like we previously stated. Uber, I think we came to the consensus consensus that he doesn't fit this team at all. And then Wiseman, God bless his soul, he's 19. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing yet. I have to wonder why they didn't take LaMelo Ball ahead of Wiseman, but that's... That could end up being a buoy over MJ situation right there. I, I don't. I'm not going to say that for sure yet because obviously they're both 19. But I mean, Dylan, tell me that Lamelo Ball wouldn't fit this Golden State Warriors team like a glove right now. 
Well, see, that's the thing. He would fit any team like a glove. And I don't want to be too, like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty or whatever. But, listen, I think there were some question marks with Lamelo coming out. I think his shot has been better than, than we expected. I think his defense has been better than we expected. Like, and I, w- I will say, because, again, we've mentioned many times – that we do not claim to know anything about these prospects before they come out. Like I had no idea LaMelo ball was as tall as he was until after he was drafted. Um, And I think I actually didn't even know until after the game started. So had I had known that maybe my opinions would be a little bit different, but you know, it's tough. Like golden state, it's pretty clear. They drafted based on need more than anything. And I still think Wiseman could be a fine player. Um, but I think Golden State looked at themselves, you know, like, you know what? We already have two Hall of Fame guards, like, and obviously they don't have Clay this year, but eventually they will again. Um, and they're like, you know, we, we just, we, I don't know if we should go with another one. And I think that's what it really came down to. But obviously after seeing half of the season already, I mean, Lamelo and Steph together, it would just be ha- like having a, a more spry, Draymond they can shoot you know like at least on offense uh I mean that's that's what they would have had and and it would have made Steph even more dangerous than he is so regarding the Wiseman thing there's two I'd say there's two and only two roads that them drafting Wiseman can lead to one is obviously abject disaster which obviously you take a chance with every time you take a high lottery pick right there's always significant bust potential and people try to act like there isn't. And unless it's a guy like Tim Duncan or LeBron James or Anthony Davis, the, there's a better chance than not, if not thrown in the right situation, the guy will bust. However, I do think that being under Draymond's tutelage might be good for the young, young center. And yes, obviously short-term needs versus long-term, you know, whatever. And I'm not particularly a fan of drafting for fit. Unless, like, you're a playoff team. Like, let's just say the Pacers, right? We're gifted a top five pick. Then, yes, you draft for fit because you are almost there, <laughs> right? But a team like the Warriors that had just been ravaged by luxury tax issues, just get the best guy. And I don't know why they thought Wiseman would... Wiseman's not probably ever going to be better than LaMelo. But if he can approximate you know, a good role player while being averaging like 17 and 10, then it'll probably be fine. But I just, I wish, oh my God, <laughs> I just wish LaMelo and Steph were on the same team. That would be by far the most fun team in the league. It wouldn't be close. LaMelo is the reason the Hornets are the most fun team in the league. I, I don't think that's unfair. Well, Alex, you're, you're missing something here. They can play on the same team once Steph goes to Charlotte at the end of his career. Oh, you anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking Listen, anarch- man. Hey, the one thing he has to do left in his career, he's got the MVPs. He's got the titles. He's got all the three-point records, basically. He needs to go and, and play where his dad played for a couple years. That, that's that's the last, last bridge he needs to cross. But Dylan, him and LeBron James were born in the same hospital. So are you sure he shouldn't go to the Cavs? (laughs) I mean, that's another great point. Like he needs, 
as long as he revives one small market team in the East, whether it's Cleveland, Charlotte, or otherwise, I think uh, that would be a great, great uh, gift he could give. You you want to know what's funny? I'm looking at the um, ages right now of the two of them. LeBron's only four years older than Steph. Like, remember during the, the finals years when people were like this narrative of like, oh, Steph Curry, the young buck coming at LeBron, the grizzly vet. And like LeBron had been in the league for 10 years at that point. So it wasn't completely off base, but like Steph is 32 and LeBron is 36. <laughs> They're not that. I think Steph is turning 33 this year. I am actually his Steph's birthday is on. I believe that's Sunday at the 14th. So we're recording this on March 10th. So happy early birthday, Steph. Um, we're both very big fans of yours. Come to the Pacers, please. Um, for Dylan's sake. Um, in all seriousness, LaMelo would make this team so much better. But the fact that Steph is doing it without that much talent to me is what makes him special. He is undeniably just an absolute force on offense. And I think the Warriors aren't building the right team around him right now. But come next year, if Clay is back at like even 75%, I think they could be fine because Steph is that good. Yeah. And what, see, what he's done with his, the teammates he has is, was another big factor for me. And I have a bone to pick with a future guard that we're going to discuss that I have a feeling is on your second team that's not on my second team. Um, and just comparing those two head to head. It, it made me realize uh, that Steph definitely needed to be above him. But, yeah, I mean, what, what he's done without significant help, because, again, like no disrespect to Draymond, but the things that he's the best at or the things that he's best at, he's not as good as he was a few years ago at. And like you said, he doesn't shoot. So – Again, still a very good player, very productive, reliable guy, but he's not the guy he was in 2015. And so it's it's if you want to look back to those Golden State teams, it's just Steph now. You know, it's Steph, a beaten down Draymond, and a bunch of basically second round picks. And that team is above 500 in the West. So it just to me, it's it's no debate that Steph. Uh, deserves to be on that first team. Yeah. And like I said, if Harden wasn't, <laughs> didn't eat his way slash, uh, he lost like 30 pounds the second he joined the Nets. It was incredible. <laughs> but um, he might have been actually wearing a fat suit. I'm not going to put it past him. But hey, how do we, I would like to go through his text chain and see if he was hitting up Charles Barkley and maybe he was like, hey, remember that time you put on 20 pounds before working out for the Sixers? I would, I would like, I would like to get on that plan. Hey, you can't put it past him. We can't put it past him. But <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to the forwards because I feel like we exhausted our our guard talk there. Um, shout out to Dave and shout out to Steph Curry, both incredible seasons so far. Um, Dylan, your first team forwards. Okay, so I had trouble with the forwards too. Um. I have a name on my second team that may get some bulking from, from the fan base here, uh, which I'm, I'm fine with because I, it's, it's a tough group. Like I think the names are probably right, but maybe the order is wrong. Um, 
But this this first team is pretty simple to me. I mean, LeBron and Giannis, you know, like LeBron has played every game and he's been the one guy there that has stayed healthy and been awesome. And yeah, like the Lakers aren't playing up to their standard that we expect, but they haven't had AD for a while. Dennis Schroeder missed some time. And at that point, it's just him, like a 50-year-old Marcus Gasol and Alex Caruso. You know, like that's the team. And they're still looking pretty good. So, obviously, LeBron gets a ton of credit there. And then Giannis, again, like we know Giannis at this point. There's not much to say. Uh, I think Bud maybe finally caving on the, on the, the five thing a little bit. He's given him some time at the five. And, you know, they're the third seed, but it's those top three teams in the East are really good. They're all really good. So being the third seed out of those three is, is nothing to be ashamed of. And they've had some injury problems too. Drew Holiday missed some time. So, um, I mean, yeah, Giannis is still incredibly good. And I think he's just going to continue to, impress and like again I just really want to see him at the five more because I mean as you said it before that he's the modern day Shaq and like as soon as you said that I really started looking out for it and like I can't see it any other way now so I mean when you're when you're calling a guy the modern day Shaq those are pretty uh high regards yeah and it makes me want to rip my fucking hair out every time that he pulls up for three He's shooting four threes a game right now. Do you know how many he should be shooting? Zero. (laughs) Like, listen, this whole thing of people needing to shoot threes to survive in the league, it's overblown. Like, if you're good enough, you don't need to shoot threes. And he is good enough where he doesn't need to shoot threes. Now, I will say one advantage that, and I know it's ridiculous comparing him, these two so early when Giannis has more of a track record, but the difference between Zion and Giannis is that Zion can literally just push his way through anybody and not commit an offensive foul. Giannis, unfortunately, is not there. That being said, he's strong enough. <laughs> he's strong enough to get shots off on like weaker defenders, and he's good enough with the finesse game inside. Like That's the unappreciated part of Giannis's game to me is that he's just so smooth inside. He can just finish a lot of hard, like hard layups that a lot of guys can't finish because they're not, they're not as skilled as he is inside. And it's a credit to him that he's not just like he. People say like Harden said like when he he was mad about Giannis winning all his MVPs. It's like well, it's easy if you come down and dunk every time. He doesn't come down and dunk every time. He makes a lot more layups than I would say he, he makes. <laughs> than he makes. Uh, or he makes a lot more layups than he does dunks. So, and then your point about LeBron, I wanted to have Kawhi on there, but it's like these three, those three spots are just really hard because those three are easily, I mean, not easily because KD, but KD hasn't played enough games to make my first team. We'll talk about that more later. Um, but I mean, those three this season have been by far the best forwards. And I mean, Giannis just puts up crazy. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. 29 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. Like a guy puts up those numbers before Westbrook and people are like freaking out. Like, oh my God, a seven footer is putting up those numbers. It's crazy. But I, I just love, I love the way Giannis has played. And 
just about LeBron. What is there to say about LeBron that hasn't already been said 75,000 times? So anything else to add on the forwards before we move on to probably the hardest spot of all in this whole, this whole all NBA teams. Uh, I've, I've said, I've made my peace with it. I've made my peace. All right, <laughs> Dylan. All right. First of all, before you answer, was this, or was this not the hardest spot for you on this whole, on this whole endeavor? All NBA first team center. Who do you have after you deliberate on whether or not this was the hardest? Um, listen, it was tough because the top two centers are both fucking amazing. <laughs> but it actually wasn't difficult for me because I think to me, the guy I picked is the MVP of the league right now, and that is Joel Embiid. So Let's look at some numbers, okay? And I will say, because we all know that Nikola Jokic is the second guy. Listen. Um, we don't all know that, Dylan Hughes. Oh, interesting. Okay. I have Nikola Jokic as my first team center, but continue, continue, please. Okay. Um, so I will say that I have Nikola Jokic as my second team center. Um, <laughs> I haven't beat as my second team, so this will get knock all center debates out of the way for the next... 30 minutes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, so I listen, we have talked about Nikola Jokic on this pod at length. I mean, if you want to go back to our playoff pods last year, we basically salivated over Jokic for a month and it was well-deserved. And this month or this year, he has been even better, namely because his teammates suck and he has no choice, <laughs> but Listen, let me let's talk about some stats for for Embiid, okay? First of all, they're the best team in the East. Okay, that's a great starting point. Uh that's as far as MVP talk, that's always a good good first uh first line. Okay? So he's averaging 30 points a game, which is about two and a half points more than his previous career high. He's shooting 52% from the field, which is about Four percentage points or 0.4 percentage points higher than his previous shooting percentage on less. So he's, he's averaging three more points a game, basically on less shots. He's actually shooting well from three, which has never been the case. He's shooting over 40% from three. I mean, he, in the past, like I have been so frustrated by his shooting because he is not a good shooter, um, but he's made, he's made shots this year and he's shooting less. So he's starting to scale it down a little bit. Uh, which is good. He is – I mean, he's he's gotten the same rebounds as last year. He's up a little bit on assists. Defensively, we know he's a monster. 1.2 steals and 1.4 blocks. If you're over one in both categories, that's a pretty damn good defender. And obviously we expect it with the blocks because he's seven feet tall. But getting 1.2 steals a game is pretty impressive too. Uh, I think the free throw – is free throws is what's really separated him that's true he's averaging 11.6 per game which is about one and a half more than his previous career high and he's shooting 85 percent from three uh from the line his previous was about 80 percent so he's getting more shots at the line and he's more efficient he's more efficient across the board in general i mean he's just been unstoppable and there's been so many games this year where the dude puts up like 40 and 15, you know, like those are not numbers to balk at. 
Um, so, like, I mean, your your case for Nicole Jokic is going to be a great one because, again, the dude has been nuts. But to me, I just think Embiid's been the MVP of the league this year, and it's it's really hard for me to not put him in that first spot. Oh, okay. This is going to be funny. I have I have Embiid higher on my MVP list, but I have Jokic higher on my first on my all nba list it doesn't make sense but i can justify it all right so first of all this is by far the best shape we've ever seen Jokic in and that's saying something because the man played 64 minutes in a playoff game one time this cannot be underestimated people he was like oh he's in a he's doughy he's not in good shape no he's in great shape he just needs to be a little bigger except dylan hughes <laughs> would you like to know Jokic's career high for dunks in a season <laughs> would you, you uh, just want to guess it man it can't be much. I'll, I'll just go. Say, I'll just say like I don't know, sixty maybe. So his career high is twenty three. All right, oh. we know he's he's ground bound this year. So okay, that was in twenty seventeen. He was twenty one and played seventy three games. This year he is twenty five and has played thirty six games and has twenty one dunks. All right, not lighting the world on fire by any means. This man is going to the rim harder than he ever has before. Now, is he getting the foul respect <laughs> to show that? No. But Dylan, what is this man shooting from the field? He is shooting 56.7% from the field. And we know he does not take easy shots. <laughs> no one would describe Nikola Jokic as like a Hassan Whiteside shot diet, right? Or like a Andre Drummond where he misses most of the shots diet. Shout out Caleb Lynn. Uh, <laughs> He's also shooting, he's shooting 42% from three on four attempts a game. <laughs> on twos, he is shooting 60% from the from the two. <laughs> Just anywhere in a two. I've pulled up cleaning the class. I actually had Jokic pulled up, but let me go back to him. Um and I'm sure the shooting efficiencies on cleaning the glass are just insane from like every area of the floor. So shooting accuracy. So short mid-range, 55%, 82nd percentile. Long mid-range, 57%, 92nd percentile. All mid-range, 56%. On 330 mid-range attempts, it's not like he's not taking them. He is dominating on every area of the floor. His teammates, I would say they're comparable to Stephen Curry's in Golden State. Like, the amount of offensive talent now, yes, Murray's kicking it back up, but he was god awful for the first like month and a half. Porter Jr. is um, listen, he's talented. I'm still on the trade him train, right? In spite of that, in spite of Gary Harris missing a bunch of time, in spite of Paul Millsap being 35, right? In spite of Jamichael Green being worse than we expected him to be. He's averaging 8.6 assists a game, career high. This man is playing by far the best basketball of his career. He's averaging 1.6 steals a game. It's not like he's a defensive negative by any means. Like, he's in that range now. Now, obviously, it's different if you're a center, but you put the right personnel next to him, and he's fine on defense. He's not awful. And I think that edge on offense, the one edge I will grant you and that probably why I should have Joel on the first team is just the amount of free throws and how good he is at the foul line. Like the defense to me is a wash, all things considered, because Ben Simmons to me is their defensive, their defensive savior on Philadelphia. Whereas they don't have Ben. Could you imagine Ben Simmons on Denver? Yeah, that, that that's what I was just thinking about. Like him and him and Jokic together would be really fun to watch. Yeah. Just on offense and on defense. And then the free throws, I will give Joel the edge for sure because Jokic is only getting there five times a game. He just, they they don't play the same way. 
But the fact that we can ha- seriously debate this, this is the hardest center debate we could probably have had since like Shaq Akeem. That was before we were alive. Like, do you think I'm off base here having Jokic as my first team center? I mean, no. Like, like I said, like it's a it's a tough distinction to make because listen, as good as Philly has been and Embiid has been, they undoubtedly have a way better team. Like, if you flop these guys, it may be a different story. Like, I think Jokic would probably have a much easier time making that first team just because when you have better teammates, it's easier to play better. Um, I personally, like, I think Embiid is just getting really good. Like, I think he's just figured out what he's awesome at and exploiting it. And, again, having someone like Ben Simmons that gets him in the gets him the ball in the right spots obviously helps a lot because he is not creating his own shot as much as Jokic is. He's not the guy that's handling the ball the whole possession. So, obviously, they're two different players. But, I mean, again – this, like this, this is a playoff team for Denver, and I mean seriously, their roster is really up and down, and we've talked about this for years. Like it's, it's nothing is really changing. I mean, for sure, Jamal Murray has gotten better, but he's still not consistent. He's very, he can be very wishy washy, um, and all these other guys that have been really good for them, like Gary Harris and Will Barton, at one point were both very reliable guys. And they're just not the same this year. And Gary Harris really hasn't been the same for two or three years at this point. But, I mean, they lost Jeremy Grant, who, again, like Jeremy Grant was obviously not the player he's been this year, but he was really good last year. I mean, he was really starting to show the offensive potential that we're seeing now. Like, I, last year, I saw him create his own shot more than I ever have seen in the, in the past. Like, he was a very good player for them last year. And they don't, they never replace that. They never replace that bench big that can really create his own shot. Cause we both liked Michael Green. We both thought the fit would be good, but he is just not, he's not, you know, the same guy we've seen in the past. So it's, I mean, what Jokic is doing is amazing. And, and Denver has played really well for how bad the roster is around Jokic. So, to me, to me, it's it's really tough, but I just I just think Embiid has been on another level this year. That's fair, but I'll, let me just give you the shooting percentages of the guys that aren't Jokic and Murray, and tell me if they would shoot this well. Like the numbers are definitely inflated because they play next to Jokic. I guess Paul Millsap, a forty-one percent three-point shooter, in anywhere other than Denver, like there's there's no way in hell he can shoot forty-one percent from three. Anywhere other than Denver. Jamichael Green, 43% from three. He is not that level of guy from three, right? Um, just go through the list. Monte Morris, 36%. He's probably not even that good. Michael Porter Jr., 41% from three. Probably not that good. Will Barton, 38% from three. Probably not that good. Jokic, to me, it's actually funny because if you think about it, the passing between Simmons and Jokic is really similar because they're just really good at creating open three-point looks. Like, if you notice something, like, I heard someone on a podcast say that their three-point quality shots go tremendously down when Ben Simmons is off the floor because Embiid just can't create that. Embiid's a good passer. He's nowhere near this level. And at this point, we're really debating semantics, right? Because do you want the guy 
who can get you 12 free throw attempts a game, dominate down low? Or do you want the guy who can create any shot on the floor and is one of the five best clutch players in the league? It's really, really semantics. And I would like to see Jokic on the team that's constructed like Philadelphia. He's not going to get there because <laughs> I, I just don't know. Someone, I feel like someone will be clamoring to trade for Jokic at some point. I don't, if Denver keeps going on this trajectory, he can't stay there. I mean, unless he's super loyal. But I mean, no one in the NBA is super loyal except for Damian Lillard. So, and Steph, obviously. The, our two first team guards are incredibly loyal, and that's it. That's it. That's loyalty in the NBA, folks. Um, and Kyle Lowry, but Kyle Lowry is going to get traded to the Sixers. So, um, anything else on the centers, Dylan, before we move on to our next, to our second team? I'm ready to move on. This is where it gets fun. Oh, yeah. So the second team guards. So since I let you go first on the first team, I have Luka Doncic and James Harden as my second team guards. And Luka, Luka to me, <laughs> they have the Mavericks have had an up and down season, but he's been there for fucking all of it. Like he has played 32 games out of, you know, I think they may have missed some games. I'm not entirely sure, but 28 points a game, nine assists, 8.4 rebounds, 47%. The efficiency is at higher than it's ever been he's actually still in a career high in three-point percentage at 36 percent almost so given his shot quality and like it's kind of similar to devin booker like the three-point percentage for devin booker if you look at it that early in his career you're like oh i keep hearing devin booker such a great shooter then why is he shooting so poorly and it's because he's taking all the tough contested threes while he's trying to create for everybody else but i mean i think luca talk about young talent he is a top 10 player in the league in his third season. He's not even like, he's going to get his rookie extension this year and he's going to get the full max. (laughs) Like no one is doubting that he is going to get the full max. (laughs) He is that good. And and then Harden, we talked about Harden earlier, but he has been since he got to Brooklyn. I, again, I think he's been the best guard in the league. He's really stabilized Brooklyn. Brooklyn's not this team. And they don't have James Harden. And I think Harden and Kyrie complement each other really well. And I think obviously we're going to see them with Kevin Durant. And I think they're, I'm starting to believe they're favorites in the East. I need to see a little more, but um, Dylan, who do you have as your second team guards? So, yeah, this is, this is where it, this is where it gets funny. I think because I think on the surface, Harden and Luca just feel so easy. And listen, I went with Harden. Uh, I did not have Luca, and I will explain why. I so, am waiting. I, I knew that's what you were talking about. I just couldn't wait. To, I had we had to wait to get there. But now now that we're here, I will need an explanation. But who's your who's your other guard? Okay, the other guard is Kyrie. So ah. I went with both the Brooklyn guys. And I guess before I get into the Luca discussion, I should discuss Kyrie. Listen. Kyrie gets scrutinized a lot, including by us, but it's never been about basketball. Mm-hmm. It's never been about the on-the-floor stuff. And as soon as they got Harden, that dude has been fucking incredible. I mean, and this is a guy that has done a lot of really good things in his career. I mean, he's by the time his career is over, which is going to be in a long time, by the way, 
because he's only 28. He's about to turn 29 uh, in a couple of weeks here, two days before my surgery. So, you know, obviously that's uh, some synergy right there, but he has done so many amazing things. Like he's had 50 point games. Like he had the, the shot in the finals that is going to be on highlight reels forever. He's when he was in Cleveland, I'll say he did a lot of amazing things. Uh, he has his own shoe, you know, like this is a guy that, that has done so many good things. And I think what he, I think this is the best basketball he's ever played right now. I don't know what it is about Harden. Listen, we've seen Harden with two of the best guards in the league the past few years. Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are both awesome. I don't think either of them looked as good as Kyrie does right now. I mean, Kyrie, listen, like we had our emergency pod on the Harden trade. I thought they were going to have to trade Kyrie because I just didn't think there was enough ball to go around. And we still haven't seen them full, basically, because KD is, has barely played with either of those guys. It's like every time one of them gets healthy, another one gets hurt. Uh, and lately, it's been KD that's been out. But, I mean, him and Kyrie play incredibly well together. And and this is a testament to both of them, and that's why both of them are on this team together, is that they've both sacrificed, but they've also both figured out ways – to put the other person in the best spot. So they've had to give up stuff here and there, but they've still been able to do what they do best. And I never really saw them complimenting each other this well, because listen, like Kyrie has been a good off the ball player, but Harden has not. He's when he was in Houston, he was just like, give me the ball. I'm going to dribble the air out of it. And I mean, they're going to shoot or I'm going to pass to someone who's going to put up a corner three or dunk it. That, that's what Houston was. And seeing that for so long, it's, it, was, it was questionable how he was going to play with these guys in, in Brooklyn. And, I mean, he has adapted his game a lot. And, I mean, he's been incredibly efficient too. I mean, he, and this is a guy that's been efficient for a long time, but he's been even more efficient this year. And as you said, ever since he's got to Brooklyn, like he's been the best guard in the league. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, but Kyrie, I think Kyrie is getting his own shot and finding others the best he's ever done. I mean, the assists don't necessarily show it. Like, he's averaging six a game, which is pretty much in line with the rest of his career. But it's just the passes he's making, I think, look better than he's ever, he's ever looked. Like, he's doing a great job of finding other guys. And it's not just Harden. Like, he's finding Bruce Brown a ton. He's finding Shamit. Like, all these little guys, he's, he's put them in really good spots and found them in the right spots. And, and even defensively, I think he's looked better than usual. I think he's, he's shown more effort. And there's times where he just wanders around and he's, you know, careless. But as we talk about a lot, these point guards, they just – they don't have to be that good defensively. But I think – I think when Kyrie wants to, he, he can be very good and he has been this year. So, I mean, he's just locked into me and he's looked so good. Like I just have a hard time not putting him on the second team. So I will say the best, I think Kyrie has looked. I will contest it. 
because you'll you'll notice a theme here in Kyrie Irving's career. The best he's looked is from the 2016 finals to the 2017 finals. That year long stretch basically was the best he played because he, the thing about Kyrie, he is not a point guard. And I think that they, they got to the root of this problem very quickly in Brooklyn, which was really smart by Nash Harden, whoever figured this out. Harden's the point guard and Kyrie's the shooting guard. And Kyrie has operated best in his career when he is basically a shooting guard. The 2016 finals, which, I mean, Dylan, I'm surprised you you put this stretch of his career over a finals game winner. <laughs> just, just saying. I mean, he did he did win one of the greatest finals of our lifetime. Actually, it's not because the 2013 finals was the greatest finals of our lifetime. But, I mean, 2016 game seven, that shot is going to live in, live in infamy or in for the rest of history, I'll say. So I, I will contest that. I will say that was probably the best Kyrie's ever played because he was still 23. He didn't know any better. He went against one of the greatest teams of all time and helped bring him down. And also, by the way, real quick, 2017 Cavs are not going to be remembered, but holy shit, that team was good. <laughs> that team, like, talk about an efficient offense. Holy shit. Like, that team... I'm going to pull up the, the Cavaliers page on cleaning the glass just to like so we can appreciate how fucking good they were. But it was just ridiculous how good Kyrie was in 2000. And, so, okay. In 2000. So, remember, this is 2017. Teams didn't do this all the time in 2017. 114.2 points per 100 in 2017. <laughs> Effective field goal percentage, 55.1. Now, the defense was not very good. They only, Their differential is only four. But, yeah, Kyrie is on my third team, and I didn't really have to think twice about it. He has done everything right this year, and I – listen, I can't blame you for having him on your second team. Like, the only questions about him aren't about basketball. And if he can answer those, then you want him on your team. I, Dylan, I think he's the best second banana in the league right now. He can't lead your team to the promised land if he's your first option. But your second option, you're in fucking great sailing. Third option? <laughs> Holy shit. I think not enough ball doesn't, like, you know, you're not going to touch the ball enough doesn't work anymore just because the pace is so high. Like, before last, like the last couple of years, teams having three 20-point scorers was absolutely rare. And those guys would have, like, 20, 20.1, and 20. Right. Like it was like the 2007 8 Warriors with like Jason Richardson, Baron Davis, and like Corey McGetty. Right. Like that's when it happened. Now I think you can, each guy can average 20 and be happy. Like Harden to me is going to take a cut in scoring. And I don't think he needs to score. He's just going to go out there, put up some dimes, score 25, get to the foul line. How many times is he getting to the foul line? But. I mean, he's just going to do his thing and then Kyrie and KD can close. And I think that's going to be the formula that works in the playoffs. And I do think that Philadelphia has the pieces to try and stop them. I will say, I don't think anyone else in the league does. And that's saying something, (laughs) but okay. Do you think that anyone other than Philadelphia has a chance even remotely containing? I mean, maybe Milwaukee with holiday Middleton and Giannis, but then do you want Giannis on KD? I don't think I do. So I don't like, I don't know. So Harden this year in Brooklyn has gotten to the line only seven times, which is, you know, (laughs) Harden's foul drawing abilities for the last however many years are should go down in NBA history. (laughs) 
<laughs> because so after he got to Houston, 10.2, 9.1, which was his low in his time in Houston, 10.2, 10.2, 10.9, 10.1, 11.0, and then last year, 11.8. <laughs> and I I just am in awe of what this man could do at the free throw line. But yeah, do you like let's we've seen enough games from them now. Do you think anyone can actually stop Brooklyn in the playoffs? The way they've played lately, it'll be tough because I think they're the Rockets of last year with less defensive talent, but way more offensive talent. Like, because they're playing small ball. And I don't know if that's going to last forever. Like, if we can trust Allen Robinson as an NBA reporter, they're supposedly getting Andre Drummond at some point, um, which we'll have to see about that. And listen, I've been pining for for contenders to go after Drummond. I don't think Brooklyn is the one because, as we've discussed recently, Drummond is – I'm trying to think of a nice word to say. He's he's not a black hole for the ball, but he's like – He's not known for his passing. (laughs) Yeah, and – when he gets the ball, like he just kind of puts it up, whether it's a good chance of going in or not. Like with the the well, all this efficiency that we're talking up goes down the drain if you get someone like Drummond. Like I really think the best thing for them is if Gorgie Dang gets bought out. Mm. Like that that is the perfect center for me for them because he's not going to get in the way at all. On offense, he's just going to shoot threes. He was leading the league in three-point percentage at one point this year. Yeah, like he's a he's a really good three-point shooter. And on offense, like you want you want that middle opened up because look at what Bruce Brown has done with no center on the floor. Like they've been running all these Jeff Green lineups out there. Bruce Brown is just eating at the rim. Like he doesn't care how tall he is. Like he's he's getting. He's just getting entry passes like he's seven feet and throwing them up and making them. And, you know, with the ball handling of Kyrie and Harden, like you want that, you want that area open. So getting someone like Drummond really causes problems, I think. But Gorgie Jang, like that dude's going to shoot threes and he's going to defend the rim. And if he, I mean, if he gets bought out, I think that's their best option. Like I really can't, I've been thinking about this for a while just for the cost it's going to be and the fit, I really can't think of someone that's just going to be available like that. that would really fit better than him. Um, So if they get someone like that, it's going to be tough for them to be stopped. Like I want to believe in, uh, in Milwaukee just because they do have so much defensive versatility, but again, it comes down to bud. Like they got dismantled by a better coach last year. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to say I think Steve Nash is already a better coach than Bud. Like he has proven that he is not afraid to make changes. Like he's he realized that DeAndre Jordan sucked, so he put Jared Allen over him. He trades Jared Allen. He's like, you know what, DeAndre Jordan still sucks. We're playing Bruce Brown at center, and it works out. Like that's something that Bud would never do. He has modern day Shaq. He doesn't play him at center. He'd rather play Brooke Lopez at center. So I don't, I just don't trust them, but Philadelphia, I do think has, they have a chance because man, 
offense and defense, they are chock full of talent. So if anyone in the East could do it, I think Philly could, but I don't, I don't know if they actually would be able to do it. So, okay. First two things. First of all, I think if the Nets weren't well poised to win the championship this year, like let's just say like this move put them in the middle, of the, like adding James Harden to Kevin Durant and Kyrie made them middle of the pack, whatever. Trading Jared Allen for 29 of the 30 teams would be one of the dumbest fucking things you could do. But for this Nets team, it is absolutely not. It is absolutely not dumb and it is incredibly smart. <laughs> Actually, it might end up winning them the championship because they're trying this new style. Second of all, do you want to hear this crazy, crazy thought I had while you were talking about Gorgi Jang? What if he's not bought out? <laughs> what if the Bucks trade for him for Brooke mm. Lopez? Would you rather play Gorgi Jang right now over Brooke Lopez? I would maybe say yes. I mean, Lopez has been not good. Like, I mean, theoretically, they do the same thing, right? But I think Jang, I don't know. Like, every time I watch him, I just love him. And I can't say the same thing about Brooke Lopez. I mean, Brooke Lopez's three-point percentage has bounced back from where it was last year. But, I mean, are we sure that that wasn't a fluke? You know, the 2019 36% from three? Like, that's not even league average. Yeah. Like, let me pull up cleaning the glass for Brooke Lopez real quick. So I want to see where he ranks compared to other centers. Cause that's, we bring up cleaning the glass a lot. It's really an invaluable resource. Like the way that they just filter stats compared to positions. It's okay. So three. So yeah, he's in the 41st percentile for his position right now. So, and let's look up Georgie Dang just for a look. I know he's going to be high cause he's shooting like 47% from three right now, which is ridiculous. Um, on a lower sample. On a, I mean, still chucking him, though. He is yeah. that's foul drawing. Um, yeah, he's in the 100th percentile. <laughs> now, has Georgie Dang only taken 33 threes? Yes. But do I still trust Do I still trust Georgie Dang's shot more than I trust Brooke Lopez's shot? Yes. <laughs> I've seen it go in more, including when he was in Minnesota last year. So... The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Um, so, okay. Why didn't you include... So, Luca, did you not include him on your second team because Kyrie was that good? Or was there anything wrong with Luca? Was it more Kyrie than Luca? I guess is my question. It was a mix of both because, listen, you want to look at the numbers. I mean, Luca has been fantastic. Like, he is undeniably one of the best producers in the league. Uh, my problem with him, and I think Caleb Blinn is going to enjoy this, but listen, I, I think there's a little bit of Trey Young going on here. Obviously, obviously, he's much better than Trey Young, so it makes up for it. I think, and you could even say Harden and Houston, like I think that he's got the ball a little bit too much because this is what I was talking about earlier with Steph. If you swapped these two players, this Mavs team would be much better than it is. And listen, that's not a crazy statement because, yeah, Steph is one of the best players of all time. Like, that's not shocking. But Luka is really good too, and I just think he handles the ball a little bit too much. And I think the the stats that I kind of want to use to support this are Josh Richardson and Kristaps Porzingis both being – pretty underwhelming this season 
I think some of that goes back on to uh, Luca because, and we've seen this with Porzingis in the past, the bubble kind of burst that last year where Chris Daps was just on fire, but we've seen more data of Chris Daps being bad with Luca than him being good. Like, as much as as fun as that Dallas team was last year and as good as Chris Daps was before he got hurt, I don't know. I kind of think that maybe that was a fluke because this year, and maybe it's just Chris Daps' health. I don't know. But he has just not been that good. And it seems like when Luca's not out there, he's better. And I kind of wonder – because Josh Richardson and Chris Asperzingas are the next two best guys on your team, right? So if those guys play a little bit better when Luca's not out there, it kind of makes me question, are they not being put in the right positions because Luca has the ball too much? And this is something that we've talked about with Trey Young for so long now, is that is he handling the ball too much? And we said it about Harden, too, but it was just hard to say it was the wrong thing to do because they were consistently making good playoff runs. But they never made it to the finals. And when they got closest, they had another really good ball handler next to him, and they were able to find a balance. And I don't know. I just – I kind of think that – like, Luca has the stats, right? But – is part of that because he just has the ball all the time. I wonder if him handling the ball as much as he does is kind of making life harder for these other ball handlers and therefore making Dallas not as good as they could be. Can I, can I counter that real quick? Can I, can I throw some evidence to the contrary? All right. So I don't think what you're saying is unfair. He definitely dribbles way too much. However, Half his team. So, okay. Josh Richardson missed like eight or nine games with COVID, as well as Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Brunson, and Maxi Kleba. You are beloved Maxi Kleba. And what I'm saying is, is that the record isn't what it would be were those guys healthy, right? I have Josh Richardson's um, uh, game log pulled up in basketball reference. In the games that he's played, they are 14 and 11, right? And then obviously, let me go back to Luca's. Um, in Lucas, they are 17 and 15. I mean, yes, it's obviously not that much better, but I mean, they just even ravaged by COVID. They were, them and Miami got fucked the most by COVID and we're seeing Miami just now bouncing back because they're playing in the East. Dallas doesn't have that same margin for error, right? Because they're in the, they're in the West. So of course they're going to, their life's going to be harder, right? Not having to deal with, you know, the Sacramento's and the Phoenixes and the, you know, just whatever good, like the Portland's, the Golden States, Golden State blew them out by 30. Golden State's not 30 points better than this team. Right. But I do think, I, I don't think you're off base. <laughs> I think what you're saying is very plausible that he does dribble too much. However, I think his efficiency is getting better. We saw him take the Clippers were whatever, but I mean, the Clippers are still really good and they had three guys you could throw at him. And he put 40 on their heads in the playoffs, right? They didn't have a training camp. So Josh Richardson didn't have time to acclimate himself to this team. I think that's a huge issue that I think no training camp is really affecting a lot of the new acquisitions around the league, right? Like 
Chris Paul is whatever because Chris Paul can turn anything around. But like Westbrook is just starting to play well in Washington. You think he could have acclimated himself better? Maybe started playing better in January because we know Westbrook's like a two month in player. But I mean, the no training camp thing, I think this is one of my pet theories is that the teams that have had no time to acclimate themselves to each other and obviously Harden, Brooklyn has done this really well, but the rest of the league really hasn't. Is that training camp? The teams just need a training camp more. I mean, okay, what do you think about that theory? I mean, yeah, we've talked about that for a while. And like, and see, that's where some of this, like, listen, the middle of the season, obviously, we have a good sample size of games here, but it's different. I mean, just based on the no training camp thing, the fact that teams have missed COVID, the sample size is not equivalent to what it would have been in any other year, right? And that's why, like, I'm not worrying too much about my placement of these guys because there's a lot of a lot of uh, fluctuations that are just naturally going to occur because of the situation. And that's like that's why I mean I I accept your counter to the Luca argument because I I mean I definitely see that. And again, I think Chris Stapps like maybe is just dealing with some of that where he's not completely he doesn't completely have his legs back right. And so maybe in a month from now, he's playing way better. And my argument disappears. That's definitely possible. Uh, Because again, like you said, Russell Westbrook is playing a lot better. And we watched him at the very beginning of the season and he was very not good. Um, I mean, he was, you know, he was better than most still, but from, I mean, he was making a lot of mistakes and like, that's, that definitely is, is part of it. There's just a lot of rust and it doesn't always, you don't always shake the rust off in just a few weeks. So I definitely think that's a valid argument. And because of that, I think these teams are going to change by the time the end of the season rolls around. Also, can I, I have one more thing in Luca's favor and then we'll move on. So we, cause we don't have to talk about Luca. I'm assuming you have him on your third team, right? You did not snub him yeah, entirely from the him. proceedings. Okay. Yeah. So since, on February 1st, they lost to Phoenix by one point. Since then, they've gone 9-2. and two. They've only lost to Golden State, that 31-point blowout I, I mentioned, and then they lost by they lost that uh, game by Portland to 3, which I'm sure you watched. I feel like we maybe had that game, but... No, we didn't have that game, but... I think I, I like, lost. Yeah, that was a good game. So th- those are the only two times they've lost since February 1st. I mean, now did they so, play? So goal- our two, our two first teamers. So that just right helps solidify that. <laughs> right, exactly. So you know, they've beaten New Orleans, they've beaten Memphis, they've beaten Boston. Okay, they did lose to Philadelphia, so they've lost three times. But they listen. This team shouldn't be where they are because of how fucked they are at the beginning of the season. And Luca dragged them out of that hole, and I, I'm just gonna give him credit for that. He wasn't ever gonna make my first team, but I thought I think if they, especially if they finish like at six in the top six, or maybe even in the top seven, I'll give, he'll be on my second team cemented. But since we've, uh, since we've talked a lot about the guards, let's go ahead and move on to the forwards. I feel like the forwards are pretty easy for the second team. Actually. Um, I'll go first. I had Kawhi and Katie. Um, Kawhi, just his usual efficient self. It hurt to keep him off the first team, but I mean, Kawhi's just been amazing this year. Like he always has been the crunch time offense has left a little to be desired, but he looks fine. So that's good. 
that's really what you want from a Kawhi regular season is for him to look fine. And he's played a lot of games, I feel like, this year. Let me check the games, but um, he's actually played a lot of games. I think KD has not played a lot of games, but when he's played, he's been the best player in the league. So, yeah, Kawhi played 30 games so far. Um, and Dylan, what are your second team forwards? So, I took a spicier angle to this one. Um, I decided not to include KD on any of my lists because of the time missed. So by the end of the season, I'm sure, I hope that will change. Um, But he's just missed a lot of time lately. And, you know, I didn't include AD for the same reasons. You know, it's like you got to play games. And that's that's just kind of where I went. So I went with Kawhi as well. Uh, This is the spicier one. And it may seem kind of dumb now, but I think it'll pay off in the future. I actually went with Zion. Uh, wow. So, you know, we don't we don't need to talk about Kawhi much. Like he's he's Kawhi. It's like it's like LeBron. Like we know who he is. You know, he's the best player on the Clippers. He's one of the best players in the league. So, uh, Zion was and see, this is where the forwards got tough for me um, because. There's a lot of guys that I think deserve some looks. But, and listen, I have been a, a noted Pelicans hater this year. And that that is why I think Zion deserves this spot. Because despite having Eric Bledsoe on his team, despite playing next to a center that never leaves the paint, he is shooting 60% from the field. And they've recently given him the ball. And they've looked a lot better because of it. Like taking, listen, part of my problem with the Pelicans early on, and I like Brandon Ingram. I think he's a really good player. But Brandon Ingram had the ball way too much, and it was the Brandon Ingram show. And as good as, as much as I like Brandon Ingram and as good as I think he is, if Brandon Ingram is running the show, you're not going to be a playoff team. That's just how it is. Um. And it was frustrating watching Brandon Ingram just looking for his shot, basically. And look, he's a fine passer, but I just don't want to watch Brandon Ingram run the show. Zion running the show is a lot different because no matter who's in his way, no matter how many people guard him, he gets to the rim and he scores. I mean, he's shooting 62.4% from two. like, And that's where most of his shots come from. So Most? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, he's shooting 0. 0.6 threes a game, okay? Oh, wow. So many so things. I, I, so I can't say all of his shots because that's not accurate. But uh, the, the, the vast, vast majority of his shots are coming from two. So when you're getting over 60%, that is uh, pretty good, especially when you're not seven feet. Um, so – Hold on, Dylan. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just saw this notification that uh, the Spurs and LaMarcus Aldridge mutually part ways. Yeah, I saw that earlier, and I it almost felt like it already happened, so I just didn't really care. Uh, but, I mean, that's been something we've been expecting, right? I just – I was surprised. I was surprised, but – Okay. I feel like I feel like it's a big deal, but I mean – Well, I mean, it's, it's not a small deal. Like, he's a – Really, when you look back at the past 10 years, I think he's a top 30 guy that you really – like, he's he's been a part of the story, you know? 
If I was going to do all NBA teams for the 2010s, he's on the all NBA third team. Yeah. I think he was one of the 15 best guys of the last decade. I, I, mean, I don't, I don't think were, it's controversial. When you, look at, when you look at force, it was AD and him for like three or four years. And that's not controversial at all. Like, so, okay. From 2010, 11 to 2019, 20, 21 points a game, nine rebounds and 49% from the field on 17 attempts a game. So, and a bunch of those are mid-range jump shots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He led the Trailblazers before Damian Lillard got there and while Damian Lillard was there. And they were a really good team. And he averaged, let's see, he averaged 23 two years in a row. Then he went to the Spurs. They won 67 games. I mean, really integral part of the last decade. But I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought that was, I thought we should cover that on our NBA podcast. But continue, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully in future weeks, we'll, talk about where he went and i pray to god it's not brooklyn um but uh hey maybe he can go replace uh blake griffin in detroit i think that would be a natural fit <laughs> oh, don't do that to lamarcus he hasn't been good but he's not been that bad i'm sorry i just it just felt like the right thing to say um but yeah zion so I mean, he's just slowly ticking up his numbers from last year, like more rebounds, more assists, more steals, more blocks. Like, this is a dude that is very quickly going to be – like, he's probably going to average 30 points next year. Wouldn't shock me if he's close to 10 rebounds, like five assists, a steal, and a block, you know? Like, he, he is very capable of being that kind of player. And, again, when there's more space on that damn team – and he doesn't have to be guarded by three guys at once and still score, I think life's going to get a lot easier. And, I mean, listen, they're under 500, but they're like a good week away from being in the same spot as like Dallas and Golden State, you know? Like they're not that far out. And that's why – because I talked earlier about how I like to include winning. And, you know, there's six games under 500, so – I think a lot of that was early on in the season because they were just awful. And I think they've gotten a little bit better lately. And I think a lot of that has to do with Zion. So again, it's, I know it's a little bit of a spicier take because there's a lot of proven guys, but I mean, Zion's star is quickly ascending. And I think, uh, I think it's not too soon to consider him for a spot like this. I think him and Egram can coexist. Like, yeah, he's going to be running the show more. He's averaging three and a half assists. But I mean, he's only shooting 16 times. <laughs> you could give Brandon Ingram 20 shots. They can coexist. The problem isn't Ingram or anything, although I I think it was Bill Simmons. And I, I don't listen to Bill Simmons regularly. I only listen to him when he's on with Zach Lowe. But I think he floated out the idea of uh, trading, letting go of Ingram early. And I, I'm not a fan of that. I think Ingram can fit in your system as like the second scorer, like second quasi first scorer who, you know, he can put in points for you. He can, he can defend a little bit. He can pass. Ingram's a really good passer. I just think that you're right. Zion is the face of this team, but if Ingram can buy into being the second guy who still gets 20, 21 shots a game, they should be fine. I think that that's the thing. Um, is I don't know, and I don't know if he if he's gonna buy into that because I mean seriously, 
if you watch them the first two months of the season, like it was Brandon Ingram. Like that was the guy, you know? And again, I like Brandon Ingram a lot. I think he could very well be a really good second player on a good team, but it, and it's not that he was like inefficient. Like, I think he's a decent passer, but it just seems like a lot of the stuff he's doing is for his own shot. And I just don't like that. It's, it's not something I want from a guy that's going to be leading a team. And I mean, Zion does put his head down and go to the rim a lot, but listen, that dude has passing talent. Like I've seen it. It may not show up in the assist numbers, but I think he's very capable of being a point forward type of guy more so than Ingram. So I think they could coexist. I think their bigger problems are the guy, the other guys like get rid of Bledsoe, get rid of, of Adams and, and Adams, like, I'm not going to talk up Bledsoe at all in any way. Adams is awesome. Like, I'm not saying that he's a bad player at all. He is really good. It's just him and Zion are not a good, are not a good fit. Like, Zion needs some space. He he needs like a Miles Turner type that's going to defend the rim, but like not crowd the paint on offense. That's that's the type of guy he needs, and they just don't have that right now. When they do get it. I think it's going to look a lot cleaner for him and Ingram, but, but yeah, right now it's, uh, it's tough. Yeah. And it's interesting that you had Zion on um, real quick on KD because yeah, he hasn't played a lot of games. He's only played 19, but I think for our end of season pod, my cutoff will just be 40 games because of how weird the season has been. Yeah. And like, that's like 55% of the games and that's not a whole lot, but I just feel like, I'm not going to penalize KD for miss. Like he's had a lot of bullshit happen to him this year. In addition to injuries, like mm. three of those games that he missed were complete total bullshit. <laughs> so because they put him on the court actually. So I guess that was a game played, but you get, you probably agree with what I'm saying. They made him contact trace after like tip off and then just all that bullshit. But I think that KD will be on my end of year all NBA team. I think he's indisputably when he's healthy, the best player in the league, but he hasn't been all that healthy this year and they've obviously taken him really slow, which I don't blame um, Zion. If the Katie doesn't play 40 games, he might end up on my all NBA team. So I'll say that um, third team. So we already said one of my third team guards and Kyrie Irving. Oh, by the way, second team center for Dylan, Nicole Jokic, second team center for me, Joel Embiid. We already talked about them ad nauseum. So you don't need to talk about them anymore. Um, so the third team, who are your third team guards, Dylan? <laughs> So Luca, which we already discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other one is probably pretty easy to guess, Ben Simmons. I mean, and listen, there is a lot of, as I've mentioned, there's a lot of guards that deserve consideration here, but there was no way I could leave Ben Simmons off any of these lists. There's no way. I mean, that dude has been so good this year. And, and like with Embiid, I think having better teammates around him helps. Like, Shout out to uh, whoever the hell is their GM at this point. They they change every year, so I don't even remember anymore. But uh, <laughs> but shout out to their front office for getting this team because, like, getting Seth Curry unlocked a lot. Uh, Shake Milton, I just love Shake Milton. He's he's not shooting as good this year, but from three at least. But I just love watching him. Like he. He just runs pick and rolls and just pulls up and shoots and makes it like every time. 
Like he is just, he's so good. I just love watching him. And I have, I have pride because I, I was a fan of him uh, coming out of the draft a few years ago. So I've got that little attachment to him as well. Um, Tobias Harris, they've doc rivers has figured out a way to, uh, to unlock him again. And shockingly, most of it was by putting him at the four. I mean, just crazy. It's not like we don't have seven years of data that suggests that he can't play the three, but uh, you know, doc rivers figured that one out. And also him, him basically running the bench mob has, has really helped him too. Uh, So shout out to them for that, but they've just figured out the right recipe for Simmons and Embiid. And I love watching Simmons right now because obviously there's there's the defensive stuff. I mean, he's like he's like Cam Chancellor, like the dude oh. is always out there stealing balls and dunking them on the other end. Like that dude is is so good, and it doesn't matter where he's at on the floor and where you pass it, he's gonna get over there and he's gonna challenge it. I mean he he is so good on on defense and on offense. I mean you can and. Not to say he hasn't been like this in the past, but I think more so this year, he's he's really going down the floor with intention. Like, he really knows where he wants to go. He doesn't really wait until he's across half court to figure things out. Like, he knows when he gets the ball that he's either going to pass to this guy in the corner or he's going to get to the rim or he's going to dump it down low to Embiid. Like, he knows exactly what he wants to do. And – it has really helped the fluidity of their offense that, that he's been playing like this. And, and I just love watching him so much on both ends of the floor. I mean, Simmons is by, to me, by far the best defensive player in the league at this point. It's not really close. He is that one guy who can guard one through five. No one else in the league can actually do this. And this is why he is, he is not one of the 10 best players in the league. However, at this moment in time, he is probably one of the 10 most valuable players in the league because he is like he basically is doing what Draymond is doing now in Golden State because obviously Draymond in his prime was actually shooting (laughs) but he's doing everything Draymond can do times 10 right like he is he shuts down guards he can switch on everybody I mean there's no one he can't guard he shut down Damian Lillard right and no one shut down Damian Lillard this year. It's like, nope, you're not getting the ball up on me. And listen, this is what makes him a terrifying proposition in a playoff series, right? Because, I mean, who can guard Kevin Durant? Have we seen a, like, a real good Simmons versus Durant matchup? I don't think we have. And this is what's going to make the – because I think the Sixers and the Nets are probably the two best teams in the East as much as I love Milwaukee. And Simmons – is a key clog, uh, clog, key cog to that, where he's 16, 7.9 rebounds, 7.6 assists, 1.6 steals, 0.7 blocks. Actually, funny enough, um, pretty much the same assists, steals, and blocks as a uh, one good old Nikola Jokic. But um, <laughs> um, I just love the way he plays. I was gonna put Bradley Beal on there. I had a last second change of heart. I love the way Beal's been playing, but. No defense really seals the deal. So, I mean, Beal has been just fucking consistent all year. I'll, I'll just make my little case for Beal. He's the leading scorer in the league for the last two years. He's been, like, he's just is so smooth. Or he didn't lead the league in scoring last year, but he had 30.5 a game last year. And then 32.9. 
I mean, he's just a smooth operator at this point. He can get to what he wants. He's shooting 48% from the field, Dylan. Like, he's shooting that much. He's shooting 24 times a game. You shouldn't be making half your shots at 24 shots a game. He's been that efficient this year. And I want to see him. I want to see him on a fucking contender, man. Just get him to the Nuggets already. And let's just move on with our lives. But um, in the interest of time, let's go ahead and move on to our third team forwards. Since we had each other's guard, you had uh, you had Luke and I had Kyrie. So who are your third team forwards, Dylan? So I went with Paul George and Jimmy Butler here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jimmy Butler has been like the one staple for Miami this year. It seems like that has just kind of held everything together. And, you know, for a while they were out of the playoffs because of all the COVID stuff. And all of a sudden they're the sixth seed, you know, half a game back of the Knicks. Um, my bets are not on the Knicks holding that spot for long. So, I mean, the, I think the Heat are going to make a run coming up. And they're seven and three in their last 10. And I think we're going to keep seeing uh, play like that moving forward. And I mean, Jimmy just holds all that together. Like he, it, you know, it's funny. Cause like he only averages 20 points a game, but like, that's very intentional. And that's why I think he's so good is that he doesn't need to be the guy that's scoring, you know, Bradley Beal numbers, you know, he he's, he's fine with an efficient 20 points a game and then letting these other guys uh, get to their spots and getting them the ball and holding things down on defense. Like he, he really represents Miami so well with what the culture they try to, to try to show the league. I mean, he is the face of that. And it's just funny looking back because it's like, he was, I think he was meant to be on Miami like three years before he actually ended up there. Like those those two parties are just such a great fit together, and that's why it was nice to see them go to the finals last year. Because I think, and again, it may have been a little fluky, but you know, it. I think it was a good. Uh, it was good because they're, it, they're just such a good fit together, and that's the perfect situation for Jimmy. And I'm happy that he's played so well, and they've seen success because of it. And Paul George, I mean. <clears throat> I have my problems with Paul George, but like, it's hard to deny that that dude, like he has a switch, you know, like he, he has bad moments, but he can turn it on at any time. And his ball handling has improved so much over the past few years. And he's gotten really good at creating his own shot as well as pass to others. He's still a sniper from three and he's still a great defender. So, uh, and the Clippers have been good this year, you know, so it's it's just hard to leave Paul George out there. I actually did leave Paul George off my team. So I had Jimmy Butler on there. I'll talk about Jimmy Butler real quick. Listen, this dude is just perfect for the heat because he can grind you out. He So the two years in Miami, first year, 9.1 free throws a game. This year, 8.3. He is as good, I would say, like, the only two guys in the league better at like drawing fouls inside because Trey Young draws all those bullshit fouls outside. Um, the only two guys as good at drawing fouls are better, I would say. It's just Joel and Harden. Like those are the only two guys who consistently get to the foul line as much and make 
as well as Jimmy does. He's shooting 86% from the line on eight attempts a game. He's a career 83% free throw shooter. This man is money at the foul line. He's a great passer. The man has literally, since he started playing more than 30 minutes a game, he has only averaged less than 1.8 steals a game once. That was in 2016. He averaged a meager 1.6 steals a game. He is always going to get you steals. He is always going to be in the right place defensively. Offensively, he's going to pick his spots, and then when you need him in crunch time, he's going to get you the win. He is probably he is a top 10 player in the league, and I am convinced of this, and he would be probably on the second team had he been healthy the whole year. Like, he would be on the second team. I still think he is phenomenal, and I think he low-key could have used... He only, he's only played 22 games. He low-key could use the rest because of how much of how soon of the turnaround was. I think he really needed that rest because Bam's a young guy and he didn't really need rest the same way. And we'll talk about Bam in a second, I'm sure. But um, for my other forward, I had Jalen Brown. And I know he's played two this year, but in spirit, he's a three. And I think that he's, I think he's been better than Paul George this year. As crazy as it is to say, I, I think the defense is there. Plus the, you know, Jalen Brown's off the dribble game is just so much better than it was last year. And he is going to continue approving. And I listen, I just think Jalen's been better than Paul George this year. And you don't look like you agree. (laughs) Okay. Listen, you told me Jalen Brown was a guard. No, I, I asked you, I'm like, do you care? (laughs) You said you didn't care. Well, that was after we decided he was a guard. So I, I kind of just disregarded it, I guess, but. I would have had Jalen Brown somewhere if if I could have put him at forward. You can switch. You can switch if you want to. I, I'll allow you retroactively. Well, I feel like I kind of talked myself into everyone else now, so I'll have to, I'll have to leave him as an honorable mention. I think, but I have failed you, Dylan Hughes. I have failed you. It's listen. It's it, it was our first rodeo. The the fucking positions are worthless. Okay, from now on, I don't care. I'm going to put Nicole Jokic as my first team forward next time because fuck it. Okay. That's we can't actually... be that flagrant. <laughs> okay. But... What about guard? If we're, if we're going to call Ben Simmons a guard, can I, how can I not call Jokic a guard? I, uh, positions... I would love to hear a rebuttal. I would love a rebuttal. Yes. <laughs> we, okay. Let's just, let's settle in the middle here. You're being a little aggressive, Dylan. Um, (laughs) you're being a little aggressive listen okay Paul George is a good counter to Jalen Brown I feel like Jalen Brown's been better this year I feel like for twos and threes I just feel like that distinction doesn't matter anymore I think the only two the only two positions that actually exist anymore are point guard and center I think that's it yeah. I think we can agree. This contract is kind of bullshit. You should just do the 15 best players. But obviously, you know, we need to do guard. We need to separate my position. So that way it's not just 15 small forwards winning every year. But <laughs> just think about it, right? In a couple of years after Curry and Dame are gone, uh, you could conceivably have a t- Like if you just did the 15 best guys, it'd be like Tatum, Brown, um, Luca, right? All these big guys and none of the little guys get rewarded. But I mean, it's not about equity. Sports. Sports has never been about what's fair. Nobody gives a fuck about fair. So listen. Life isn't fair. Exactly. 
especially sports nobody gives a fuck about you like just like being blunt about it like it's a cutthroat business and so what if your feelings are hurt that you got left off a team like that you're rudy gobert and you got left off an all-star team like who gives a shit that's so dumb. And did you see DeMar DeRozan's tweet after Conley got selected? And I quoted it. I was like, I dream of a day where people stop caring about external acceptance or whatever. It's like, who cares? Like, you know you're a good NBA player, right? Why Why do you need to be put on a fucking – like, I mean, listen, I don't care about the uh, all-star team at all. So I'm not – like, it's not surprising that I have this angle <laughs> – the all-star team is worthless okay it's like something you put on the resume at the end of your career it's like oh i made 10 all-star games like what does that really show it's you know it's i mean the all nba is more important but even then it's like listen you made your money you had a great career who cares about the other stuff it's just stupid i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more um (laughs) so you so i know i know you got mad at me because we said Jalen Brown is as a, as a four as a guard, but you can't be, be really that mad at me for having him as my third oh, no. forward, can you? I mean, okay. honestly, I probably would put him above Paul George. I mean, listen, to me, he's been by far better than Tatum this year. It's not even a mm-hmm. question. Like, and I don't. Okay, well, see, I don't want to put too much of the blame on Tatum because Kemba has sucked, and he wasn't even there for a while either. So, like, Kemba has essentially been non-existent, right? Kemba is supposed to be the guy that is like the pressure release for Tatum. That's kind of how this team was built. Jalen Brown was not supposed to be this guy. He just kind of turned into it by need. So while Tatum kind of suffered under having so much pressure on him, Jalen Brown's like, I don't fucking care. I'll just do it. Like, I'll just pick this up and do it. I mean, he's been so good. And I think he came into the the league as kind of like a – an up and down ball handler and they like he can dribble and run straight but he can't really do much else but i think he's worked on that a lot like he his handles a lot better and it's it's allowed him to get to the rim easier his shot is good he's a good passer he's a good defender i mean like what does he not do well and i mean we've talked about the Celtics recently about how they just have such little depth and it basically has been the Jalen and Jason show and of those two guys, I definitely think Jalen Brown has been the better of the two. Would you – okay. We're going to stir up some controversy here at the end of the pod. Would you, Going forward, if you could only choose one, Jalen or Jason, who are you choosing? You know, that's tough because I think you still get the higher upside with Tatum. But this is – and again, this is – Maybe this is just more of that, like, oh, it's a COVID season, yada, yada, yada. Maybe there's some excuses we can give him. But this is not the first time we've seen Tatum kind of falter under increased pressure. I mean, so his first year, he was he was good. He was good for the expectation. He was a rookie. He was way better of a defender and way better of a shooter than anyone expected. So we came into that next year, higher expectations, and he basically was the same guy he was in his first year. So he was just as good, but we expected him to be better. So it's been an expectations thing. Then he got to the point where it's like, oh, this is the best player on on the team. 
And he's probably going to be the best player on a finals team because he can just get any shot he wants. Um, but I don't know. Like, he just kind of sways in and out of being a top 15 player and being on the edge of it. And, again, I, I think I still take Tatum just because of the upside. And, I mean, we've seen this dude be, like, a consistent 30-point scorer. Like, he, we, know he, we know he has it in him. We've seen it. But I still think he has something to figure out before he can consistently do it. And, I mean, he's still very young. Like, that's not surprising. And I think it's benefited Brown that he just hasn't had as much attention. He's been able to fill the gaps in, and that's why he's been able to do things so efficiently. Um, Tatum has had so much pressure. It's understandable why he hasn't looked as good. So, long term, I still think Tatum is the better prospect. I I just am – Tatum's defensive potential is too enticing to me, but it's close because Jalen Brown can guard more fours, like bigger players than Tatum can. I would lean Tatum like barely. Like one of those like scales than how much I would have um, Brown or – Tatum over Brown. It's really fucking close. I just thought I would throw the question out there, but um, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Who's your third team center for the our last one? So I say this with sadness in my heart that I had to go with Gobert. I was trying to figure out a way to not do it. And by the your response, I'm imagining that you didn't. So that's correct. So I mean, the next guy is obviously Bam. And just looking at it and comparing, I'm like, okay, like Utah's the best team in the West, best team in the league by record. And I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that Gilbert doesn't have a huge part in that. Like as much as I love Donovan Mitchell, he's not good enough to be the best player on the best team, or he's not good enough to do it on his own at least. Like he, this, this jazz team is, is definitely more of a, group effort than having one or two standout superstars. Um, and obviously Mitchell and Gobert are the two best players, but I just, I mean, Gobert just plays such a huge role and I just, I just hate it. Cause like, he's not my style of guy. It's just hard to deny how good he is, you know, on both ends of the floor, like he's an efficient offensive player and he's a great rim protector. It's, you can't deny that he's not flashy and Everyone loves hating on the Utah Jazz. So having opportunities to do that would be great. Um, obviously, Bam has been awesome, too. It's just – it was just hard for me to overlook the whole Utah factor and the fact that they've been so good. See, I, I did not have Rudy Gobert, and I'm shocked that you did because you said that his defense wasn't as good. If my memory serves, I mean, of course, I have the memory of a goldfish at this point, so I could be wrong. But I feel like you said Gobert's defense isn't as impactful as you thought it once was. I mean, listen, here's the thing with Gobert. People are terrified of him at the rim. <laughs> he is just going to swallow dudes up because he is that good on defense. And he's by far the best role guy, screen slash role guy in the league. He's really a lead up both of them. I mean, 14, 13, 2.7 blocks is nothing to sneeze at, I will say. However, I really love what Bam's been doing this year. 
he 19 points a game, 9.5 rebounds, 5.4 assists. The assists and the rebounds are basically the same from last year, but he is taking two more shots a game. He is shooting 56% from the field and he is taking pretty much the same amount of free throws, but he's making it at an 84% clip, which is up significantly from 69% last year. I love the way he's been playing. And obviously Bam is a defensive dynamo, right? Like, after Gobert and Simmons and Miles, I'd be hard-pressed to name a defensive player I'd want more in my foxhole than Bam. Like He's top five in the league for, for me, for sure. So that difference for me was pretty much negligible. And then I just I love the way he's been creating off the ball, and he was dealt a really shitty hand, too, because he was the guy that was healthy while <laughs> Miami was dealing with all their COVID issues. So... I do think you aren't off base giving it to Gobert. However, it just it just wasn't for me. I love the way Bam's been playing this year. We'll see. I'll remind you on the Gobert take. So I did say that, but I think we both realized that a lot of that opinion was coming from his struggles against Jokic and Embiid. So it's like, if you're going off that, it, I mean, who isn't struggling against those guys? I mean, if you take those two guys out of the equation – I, I think he's pretty much what he has been. That's that's fair. He is like he swallows dudes up at the rim. Like there's just no better rim protector in the league, really. And Miles has been great, but Miles can't do what he does. Like Gobert just basically from like eight feet in, you can't get anything off. I'm not gonna change my pick, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame you for having him over Bam. I just think Bam's offense Bam's offense to me plus the defense is greater than Rudy's offense plus the defense. But I mean, we're just picking nits here, basically. So you had you said you had some honorable mentions. Let's go through the honorable mentions and we'll wrap up. Yeah. So I mean, obviously Bam is one of them. Um, so the Fords, we already discussed Jalen Brown. I went ahead and threw Tatum in there just because even though he hasn't been as good, like he's still been good. You know. Uh, I mean, Chris Middleton obviously, obviously, or always deserves a nod. This one hurts. I had to give a hat tip to Julius Randle just because, listen, he's been the best player on a Knicks team that should not be a playoff team, you know? Like, I would never actually give him the honor of being on one of these teams. But I will throw his name in as an honorable mention because, listen, as much as I don't like watching him and as much as I think the Knicks are going to crash in the second half because he's their best player – He's been he's been the best of his career, and it's helped the Knicks win. So I give him a hat tip, and that just shows my growth as a person that I have been able to. Do I never that. thought I'd see this day. This is incredible. Um, and and notice that it still comes with the, it's a backhanded compliment because of course, yeah. There's but no I other mean, way. Randall, like this is the thing about him. He hasn't really done poorly in any one particular area he's just not the best but i mean he's still really fucking good like his defense has actually been really good this year but he's not the best his passing has been really good this year not the best his scoring really good but not the best shooting really good but not the best and i think that's not all nba but that's pretty damn good well see what hurts about randall is that i know he's capable of being a very good all-around player because when he was in L.A., he was a good defender. His final year there, he was really a good defender. And 
he's just gotten lazy or something. I don't know. The passing, like he he's a good passer when he wants to, but the problem is he looks to pass usually when he can't get his own shot. And that's just like the assists are going to be there. And that's why, that's why the eye test is so important because it's the way you get assists. And that's, again, that's what the Kyrie thing, like Kyrie may not have a crazy amount of assists, but they're really good assists. Julius Randle may have more assists, but they're they're because he doesn't, he can't get his own shot. And that's the only reason he's passed. So, you know, that's why it's important to watch the games. Uh, and that's why we're here to, to uh, you know, pass along our knowledge. So the guard spot is very deep. Um, so we already talked to Brad Beal. Obviously, he's going to get a nod there. I had to throw the two Phoenix boys out because they're the second team in the West, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Honestly, looking at the numbers, I'm not sure which one of them deserves it more. You know, like I want to say Chris Paul just because – He's basically the – he's the main addition they made, and it made them so much better. Like, they are drastically better with Chris Paul. <laughs> and it's – you know, he's one of the best guards ever. Like, it's not shocking that he's adding that kind of an impact. Um, but, you know, Devin Booker has become a lot more efficient, and it's because he's playing off of Paul, you know. So, I, I, I think really that Chris Paul probably deserves it more, but – Devin Booker is awesome too. So he gets he gets some recognition for sure. Are you telling me that Chris Paul is better than Ricky Rubio? Is that what I'm hearing from you, Dylan Hughes? You know, it's it's a tough distinction. I think the Spaniards always deserve a look. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, first of all, isn't it just hilarious that Rubio ends up in Minnesota after trashing them for never making the playoffs? I feel and- so bad for him. <laughs> It seems like he wanted to go back there is what the story was. I don't know if that's just like a nice PR thing or what, uh, but it's that's another podcast altogether. The, the, the past 10 years of Minnesota, I mean, actually the past 20 or 30, make a movie of it, please, ESPN. Worst franchise in the history of the NBA and one of the five worst in the history of sport, like in the last 30 years of sports. Bengals are the worst, the worst, mm. the worst, but – yeah. Other than that, it's they're up there. Yeah, the 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 Bengals, man, that's that's a tough one. Um, and then obviously a favorite of ours, Zach Levine. I mean, just just insanely efficient this year. Like I I just can't get over how good he's been from two. I mean, sixty percent from two for a guard. I just think that is ludicrous. Like no one does that. For like he shoots a lot. It's not like he's he's not Ben Simmons shooting at the rim all the time. Like he he is shooting a lot of shots away from the rim and he's just making all of them. And I mean we were talking about the Knicks, like the Bulls are not, they haven't been as good as the Knicks, but they're just like they're right on that playoff edge, you know. And the East has been trash, so it's not that impressive. But I mean, Zach Levine has has just been so good and and again, like he's not, he's never going to make the team because he's just on a completely different level from everyone we've talked about, but he deserves a mention because of how good he's been for sure. I think that's a pretty good honorable mention. Um, also Mitchell and Conley, they aren't all NBA level, but I mean, still they've both been balling out this year. So shout out to them. 
Um, I think we've touched on everything we wanted to touch on. You prepared more of, I think you, your, um, honorable mentions are pretty in depth, so there's no reason to, for me to delve any further. Um, you changed the name of your newsletter to Dylan Hughes. Dylan, explain why you did this and what you're looking to get out of this. Yeah. So heavy pockets had a nice run. Um, I, I think as much as I like writing about business and finance and I will continue to do so. I just, I kind of wax and wane on what's interesting me. And right now is more of like the self-development type of stuff. Um, So that's what I've been writing about lately. And I'm like, you know what? I can't, I can't have a a newsletter that's solely business when I don't write about business that much. So I decided the best thing for everyone would be to have a a one-stop shop for all my writing and a, a pretty good way to do that is just to tie my name to it. No need of coming up with some random other name. So Dylan Hughes newsletter, very cut and dry, but, and, and there's going to be a lot more content in there now. Heavy pockets was like one, two, two a week at most. Um, but I think I've done four days in a row since making the change and it's not going to be every day, but it will probably be four days a week at least because I get motivated to write a bunch of random stuff and that's, that's what you'll see. <laughs> um, I, I loved reading Dylan's writing. He is a phenomenal writer. Um, so go check that out. Um, from one young soul to another, if you don't read this book, I'm going to just leave your mailbox open and take one of your valuables from your house and leave it in the mailbox, inviting someone to take it. I'm sick of wow. this. It's $7.50 for Christ's sakes. I'm not asking you for a lot here. And I'm going to cause you a lot of financial harm. So 750 is less than 125. So your move, consumers. Um, I actually wrote some stuff for the uh, Horizon League website. I wrote some gamers, but I mean, hey, if you want to support me and support this podcast, you should go check those out because I thought I did it. I thought I did a good job. I had a fun time doing that. Um, I have some exciting news later on that I, that Caleb has announced on his podcast, but I'm technically not allowed to announce it. Dylan knows what it is, but I'm not going to say it now. I'll wait till next week. Um, and then, yeah, our teams for next week we're going we're starting back the schedule again. So we're doing the the Phoenix Suns, the Washington Wizards, and the Dallas Mavericks. Two teams we actually talked a lot about. So, and then also the Wizards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Zach Griffith is pumping out content edit like inexhaustive, right? Like I'm exhausted just like looking at how much he's doing. He's gonna have a silence of the lambs pod. He's gonna have another fast and furious pod. This man is just c- cranking out content at an enormous rate. And I'm Dylan, I'm starting to get concerned for him. You know, three pods a week. That's that's a lot. Listen, man, you want to get to the top, you gotta start climbing, man. Okay. As much as I love the slow growth mindset, sometimes you start you start you gotta start growing quick, man. You start throwing pods up, you start writing as much as you want. You gotta you gotta grind, okay? So Zach Griffith, yes, he's gonna crash. He may have two week anywhere from two weeks to two months where he's just laying in bed regretting all this hard work he put in. But one day he's gonna look back. And he's going to realize that when he has a big podcasting contract or he's directing movies, which is obviously going to happen at some point, 
he will be thankful for these moments right now. Oh, of course, of course. Shout out to Zach. Also, I'll be joining them on the battleground tomorrow to discuss the words Dylan Hughes does not care about as much in the rest of the league. So Dylan and I talked about this beforehand. I'm like, listen, all he's like, listen, all I care about is all NBA. And I respected that. So obviously he loves the all teams because we did all rookie last year too, but we'll have to wait for those for the rest of the season. All, all rookie, all rookies a fun one. I'm looking forward to that. And we'll do all defense probably in the postseason or not postseason, but before the postseason. And then um, Battleground, I'll be on there tomorrow doing the like MVP, defensive player of the year, all that good, all that jazz. Um, except there will be no jazz. Um, just kidding. Quinn <laughs> Snyder is obviously the coach of the year. And Jordan Clarkson obviously is the sixth man of the year. Who, who else could it be? Um, and then Lynn Sanity, the, the NCAA tournament is about to start. You know, technically, I'm not legally allowed to say that, but I'm not getting advertised by anybody. So fuck it. I'm going to say it. Um, and then triple option pass. I mean, listen, it's the off season. Um, one of our co-hosts may or may not be on vacation. So we'll, we'll just give it a rest till till draft season kicks up and then we'll, we'll go from there. Dylan, I think this went a lot longer than we anticipated. I mean, you may be have called you may have called it going this long, but thank you so much for doing all NBA. This this is a blast, really. It's always fun, buddy. Always fun. (laughs) 